All right, Allison, thank you for coming down. I'm here with Allison Howard. Um, well, introduce yourself. Well, thank you so much, AJ. I'm Allison Howard. I am the founder and CEO of Nola Pelli. We are a new bedding and textile company here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And you're doing awesome things. And I love that. See, I didn't want to go to the pronunciation because I've been reading it for a while. I mean, since, you know, I've known you for, for quite a while. And um, when it came out, I'm like, Nalepoli. Mm, no, maybe. I don't know. And then, so as I heard, Nolapelli. Right. right. So similar to your first name, right? Like oh, right. I wasn't quite sure. Is it Adri? Is it Adri? What is it? What so. is it? Yeah, it's it's um, so strange to have a weird name in people because you go, well, and I'm sure people come up to you and you, they read it and they go, is it Nolapelli? Oh, I've heard all the permutations. Yes. Well, let's jump into that. How? How did you come up? Why did you come up with Nolapelli for the name? Yeah. Okay, great. We'll start with the name because that's been a really interesting and challenging, quite frankly, part of the journey so far. Um, I think business names are just, they're tough, right? I mean, they have to, they have to fit, they have to sound right, they have to look right, um, they have to be available. Available. One of the uh, bigger challenges about a name. And so, you know, when I started, uh, which was back in 2017, I actually started you know, the early parts of this business and trying to figure things out and engineer a new fabric. Um, I just I just picked a, a name out of the sky and that was like our working name. And as we got closer to launching... Are you allowed to say what it is or is it... Well, well sure, yeah. I mean, the, the name back then was Aratech. Aratech. Aratech Textiles. So Ara, thinking about your Ara, like okay. what you give off. Yep. But with a tech angle... Because you're we're all about engineered fabrics. Because you're a chemical engineer. I'm an engineer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Aratech Textiles was the working name. Wasn't super. And I couldn't get the trademark on it because someone had already trademarked Ara in the textile space. So that's uh, the part of the hang up on, on, uh, on trademarks, right? Like you can use the same name if it's in a different space. Um like Dove chocolate and Dove soap, soap. right? Mm-hmm. But because someone had already trademarked Ara in textiles, I wasn't able to get the textile, the uh, the trademark. And I said, you know what? That's that's actually good because it's not great. And so you're going to force me to go back to the drawing board and come up with another name. And it literally took the better part of a year with every creative person I knew and I called them wine and whiteboard sessions. So I would invite people over into the conference room, Get big them drunk wall and- <laughs> of whiteboard, lots of wine, and just spewing out words and ideas and concepts. And you know, at the end of the night, we'd capture all that. And then we'd go off and start to look up, OK, which ones do we like? And then which ones are available? Um, because quite frankly, I didn't have a huge budget for this, right? Like I wasn't just going to hire a firm and have them come up with it uh, a name for me. So it was a lot of very scrappy, yeah. you know, wine and whiteboard sessions. And uh, and eventually Nola Pelli came out. It, and it was actually a friend who has a small agency okay. um, who who surfaced the word. Nola Pelli is the Finnish word for love. And the Latin word for skin is pellis. And so Nola Pelli felt like a really fun play oh, on love your skin, which is how the whole business came to be. And so 
That's so interesting. And, you know, with names of companies, because I've driven myself crazy, and then I always end up with the stupidest things because I'm not really that creative. And, and you're starting by yourself, basically. Right, yep. You have to be everything. Yes, you do. And it's so difficult. You, I mean, when I was starting, it was like I'm building my own website. I didn't know how to build a website. So I learned how to build a website and trying to create like a little logo. Yep. And I found that I'm not very good at that, but did something that was passable. And and then I would start thinking about names and you go through all these iterations of, well, this is cool, or it's not. And then you just Google it and you go, oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. That's already a company. Okay. Um, then I got to think about like Apple computers, right? Like that's dumb, <laughs> but it works. And then that silly guy, um, not, I don't know if he's silly. He's, he's done very well. Everybody puts him in there with Trump and so everybody hates him. The pillow. Yes, Mr. I knew pillow, that's right? the my pillow guy. My pillow. Mm-hmm. Like my pillow. Right. It's so dumb. I mean, as a name, but what makes the company? Is it, you know, and then you, and I was thinking about band names like Dave Matthews Band. Like, well, how creative is that, right? Uh, um, so people had asked me, what's the title of this podcast? And I'm like, The Wiz Blyer. And they're like, what is that? Um, and so what some people don't know is most people call me Wiz. I didn't know that. See? So I have Adri, which is just ridiculous as a first name. And then my nickname growing up since I was a baby was Wiz. And where did that come from? I wish there was such a good story, oh. but it, my, the, the true story is my first stuffed animal. My, my family's a little bit strange. Um, most, my, most are. Most are. My first stuffed animal was not a teddy bear. It was a weasel. Alrighty then. <laughs> yeah. And the the weasel's name was Wizzy the Weasel. Okay. So somehow I adopted Wizzy, and my mother would sing when I was a little baby. Before I remember this, um, take on the wonderful uh, Wizard of Oz, oh, the wonderful yeah. Wizzy of ours. Aww. So she would sing that song. Now to go uh, that just brought, but this is pretty interesting. I thought so. Uh, go off on a side story is my mother has dementia. As my dad does as Oh, well. really? Mm-hmm. My, my mom started at 59, 60. Oh, early onset. Yes, early mm. onset um, dementia. Uh, and how about your dad? Was it more recent? It was later, yeah. He's 85 now. I would say in the last four years or so, I mean, it. I had to take away the driver's license in 2019. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I'd say it was kind of late 2018 is when things it's really hard. started to it's go downhill. so hard. It is, yeah. And, um, and my mom didn't tell us what was going on. So she came oh, – I used to live in San Diego. My mom lives in San Diego. <clears throat> Excuse me. And just she came to me one day. She's like, well, are you going to live here? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I just had my, my son. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I need you to take care of me. And we're like, what's wrong? And she wouldn't tell us. Um, so we didn't know she had cancer. We didn't know what was going on. Um, but anyway, so after she's 75, so this has been going on for 15 ish years. Yeah. Long time. And so she's been, um, gone, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, for probably the last five, just bedridden. Oh, how sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I get a call from, um, my stepfather, uh, about, 
let's say four months ago, maybe six months ago. And he goes, Hey, you know, it looks like this is the end for your mom. Hmm. Um, because a lot of times what happens is they, they can't tell the difference between eating and, um, breathing. I've heard that. Yeah. So she wasn't eating correctly. And so they put her on hospice, which she's still on hospice, but she'll probably be around for who knows. Um, but she, you know, I walked in. She doesn't recognize me. She doesn't know oh. anything. I mean, she can't process, I mean, literally just laying there staring up at the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, she does know her somewhat. She'll not communicate but respond to her her, her husband, Okay, um, which is nice. But she didn't know me, so he leaves us alone. And I sing that song, you know, what a wonderful whizzy of ours. And she, her, she turns to me, her face crinkles up and she just starts bawling oh my god and goodness. i was like oh wow, wow. you know kind yeah. of so anyway off on that tangent. but the, so whiz is me gotcha. so friends and family call me whiz and because of what i do and i've talked about this on the show before is that because of you know it's a fairly um uh, regulated industry that i'm in I don't talk about what I do. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really, you know, in my real world or business world, I'm Adri Blyer, which nobody knows what my name is anyway because they all, I could tell you my name's Adri every time I meet you and you'll still call me Adrian or Adri <laughs> or yeah, just go, hey, this is Audrey. They introduce me. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's me. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't want the show to be, to use my real, my given name. So I said, okay, I'll, but here's where I just, I was like, I, maybe I should call it the Wiz Blyer Show. And then I thought, well, it's not a show. I'm just, it's not like I'm a, you know. <laughs> entertaining uh, you, and entertaining. I'm just <laughs> talking to business owners and I find it fascinating. So it became the Wiz Blyer dot, dot, dot. Cause I didn't know what to call oh, it. Oh, <laughs> I like show though. I think it has You're a like, good ring to it. Yeah, I do. I could change it anytime I want, but um and I don't have a logo for my show. It's just like a black because I was like, well, I don't want to do my own logo anymore. So yes. maybe eventually I'll talk to somebody yeah. who is very creative and I'll be like, hey, not that I'm asking anybody to do anything for free, but like I've got a really good idea that we could use for your logo. So I thought, okay, yeah. I'm going to wait for that. Yeah. And same well, thing with like in- intro music. Like eventually I'll talk to a musician that could do yeah. something cool for me Yeah. because whatever I do is going to be terrible. Well, there's, I mean, you know, there's tons of stock music out there. Yes. So you can get yourself some stock music if you wanted. Um, And on the logo, I'll give you another insider tip. Well, I don't know if it's a really good tip, but (laughs) it's what we did at least to get started. Um, There's a site. It it should still exist. I haven't looked lately. It's called Logo Tournament. Okay. And you fill out a form where you kind of describe the vibe and, you know, what you're trying to convey. And creative people will compete to prepare a logo for your business. It's actually pretty fun and very very cost effective. So what do you do they bid for or is it like a flat cost where they say, okay, we're gonna do a logo, whoever wins gets I'm just gonna say hundred bucks and everybody competes for the hundred dollars. Are they competing for your business and saying, here I got this cool logo, but you're gonna have to pay me five hundred bucks for this one. Yeah. Honestly, I don't remember how the pricing worked. I just remember it was really cost effective. I think, you know, the competition is on sort of the first round of the design. Gotcha. Right. So you see everybody who's interested in competing for your job will give you a 
you know, just sort of like a quick and dirty yeah. version based on, again, your this the form you filled out about your vibe and what you're trying to convey and all that sort of stuff. And um, and then you pick from there and then maybe you narrow it down to three and then you give them some feedback and they refine it and, you know, some, something like that. Again, it was cool. a handful of years ago, but... Is it the same logo? That that is yeah. That L. That, that's it. Yes, exactly. I think the font. You know, we we probably came up with the font on our own, but uh, that little, it's, you know, it's supposed to signify kind of woven fabric. It it could also be sets of double L's, right? There are two sets of double L's in Olapali. There's two double L's in or, you know double L's in my name. Um, it's just a thing. A thing. That's what brands, you know, they just have a thing. Right, right, right. And and yeah, and we're we're engaged in a, a packaging redesign right now with a different designer, and she just came up with a really cool treatment for that logo, like putting some words in sort of a semicircle around it <coughs> um, that should, you know, elevate it. Oh, very cool. So that'll be coming out. That, well, well so we had to, you know, create new packaging because we've got a new product coming. Okay, oh, that's not available yet. That is not commercially available yet. Oh. You have to know someone. I have to know somebody. Mm-hmm. I might know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, so can I try that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, it's, so we're, we're looking at a... We're um, looking at an eye mask. Like a sleep mask, right? Right, exactly, that you would use to, to cover your eyes while you sleep. But, you know, because the the core of Nolapelli is textile technology, that's not just you know, any old fabric on the inside, that fabric actually works with your body heat. So, you know, your body is always giving off heat. Our bodies are 98.6 degrees. And so there's always heat sort of radiating off of our, our bodies. So that fabric takes your body heat and it redirects it to the micro layers of your skin to increase microcirculation. Does it help with wrinkles? So I need help yeah. with wrinkles. <laughs> Right. So basically, I hope I'm allowed to put it on. You can, you can 100%. You can try it on. So, you know, basically, it's actively restoring the skin around your eyes while you sleep. I need that. See, we all need that. Why am I? Yeah. I look at myself when I wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh my God, dude, you're so wrinkly. Why no? Well, it's here. And I think it's it's here. And like, it's here, right here, this, you know, between your eyebrows. So, should, should help with all that. So, well, okay. Is this the same fabric that's on the... No. Mm-mm. Oh, totally different. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I... So. Yeah. So I stumbled on this yarn when I was doing the R&D for the bedding, right? We, we launched with bedding um, because that, that was really my, so you know, nice. my frustration. Um, so our bedding fabric, you know, people describe it as if cotton and silk had a baby. Oh. kind of how it feels mm-hmm. because, you know, it's it's not terribly different, but, you know, you may find it to be smoother yeah. and cooler than cotton. And that was, you know, certainly what we were going for. So I, um, I grew up um, always having a satin pillowcase. You did? I did. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. My mom swore by them. So for my whole life, I had satin pillowcase. Not, I don't anymore. I mean, in, as an adult... I, I moved to San Diego when I was, I don't know, let's say I was 19. I don't know how old I was. 
And I had one then, but that was the last one I've had. So it's been almost, you know, it's been 25 years um, since I've had a satin pillowcase. And I will say two things. One, they are fantastic because you, they get, you know, you're laying on, it gets warm, you flip it over and it's cold on the other side, yeah. which is awesome. The downside is they don't wear great, uh, like stay, you know, because right. as you said, you know, we're Very sweating and, yes. we're, and you get, and you drool and like, People, right. human sleeping people aren't isn't like a great thing. No, and there's like all kind, and so it does not doesn't deal with staining well. Right. So they look really cro- really gross. Right. Yeah. So this is super soft. I mean, it's like uh, silky. Yeah, yes. soft, but I think smooth is smooth. even a better yeah. adjective. Yes. Smooth, right? That was the idea. So in in my engineering brain, what I was looking to do with this fabric was balance. Moisture, temperature, and friction. Oh. Because your body gives off moisture while you sleep. Yes. You know, temperature is an issue while you sleep. And friction is your skin sticking mm. to oh, the... Oh, that feels nice. It should be cooler to the touch. Yeah. I'm yeah. putting it on my face. <laughs> I just ruined her pillowcase. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Sorry. a sample. <laughs> oh, good. Um, yeah, so I... You know, and how I got into this, maybe I'll, I'll share a little bit of that part of the backstory. Yeah, I was um, it was you. because I had been sleeping on cotton pillowcases and I started to notice in the morning when I would wake up and look in the mirror that, you know, half of my face looked slept on. Mm-hmm. It's the best way to describe it. I haven't come up with a better way to describe it. And so I, you know, as an engineer, that sort of seeing that made me want to learn more about, you know, what happens to your body while you sleep but also the properties of the fabrics that we sleep on. And I learned your body gives off moisture. You know, all happens to all of us more or less, depends on a host of other factors. Um, but especially if you sleep on cotton bedding, cotton absorbs moisture and holds on to it, right? We, right. Make, we make towels out of cotton. Yeah. We don't work out in cotton anymore because we know it holds on to moisture. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I thought about that, I thought, okay, so maybe cotton isn't the best choice for bedding because of how it balances moisture. And when you look at sort of the bedding landscape from a beauty lens, the only option, as you know, is silk or satin. Mm -hmm. Um, Silk in particular, very high maintenance, Yeah. right? Um, Very expensive. You can't just throw it in the washer, throw it in the dryer, throw it right back on your bed. Yeah, I'm not having any of that. I mean, uh, we need to ease. Exactly, yeah. right? I'm a, I'm a busy working mom. I'm like, no, I don't have time for something that's so so delicate. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a silk blouse or a silk tie, but, you know, no, this just doesn't feel like the right answer for bedding. And so the more I looked into the bedding industry, I didn't see any other options. I mean, there were 100% natural fabrics. So besides cotton, linen, bamboo, eucalyptus, right? But at the end of the day... Any plant-based fiber or fabric is going to hold on to moisture because that's just how plants are designed. Makes sense. Now, they do make bedding out of moisture-wicking fabrics, like the same things we would work out in, Uh, microfiber. They're 100% synthetic, so it's 100% polyester. They wick moisture, like their name implies. But again, if you're worried about your skin and hair, the goal is actually to keep moisture in and not strip it away. That, yeah. And so that didn't feel like the right answer to me. So, uh, you know, starting as a frustrated consumer, I see all these natural fabrics, these synthetic fabrics. I'm like, guys, I feel like the right answer is somewhere in the middle. 
right? Like, why can't we engineer a material that brings together the best of both worlds? I had spent 20 years in material science and engineering. You know, that didn't seem like an impossible task to me. I'm like, seem like, we it. just need to create a fabric that has all the attributes that we want. That's cool and smooth and easy to take care of, right? All the things. Um, but even before I did that, I did actually go out and I talked to 200 people. Anyone that would talk to me, I would ask them like, tell me about your bedding fabric. Tell me, have you ever woken up and had lines on your face? Are you ever hot in bed? You know, all the questions about sleep and skincare and bedding and heard lots of people say like, yeah, this, you know, this isn't really awesome. But what was most interesting is that no one ever thought that that was a problem that was solvable. They just thought like, eh, That's okay, the way it it's is. just the way it, it is. is, right? Yeah. And I said, wait a minute. I think I think we can do this differently. I think we can do this better. That's cool. And so got up the courage as entrepreneurs need, right, when we're starting breaking <laughs> off on our own out of a familiar cocoon. Um, got up the courage to say, well, I think, I think we can do this. Now, granted, I had never worked in textiles, and I only had a surface-level understanding of skin science. And so, you know, for me, step one was I need to surround myself by folks who know a lot more about this than I do. So I, you know, connected with this guy who had just retired from Estee Lauder. He'd spent his whole career in R&D, understanding the interface between skin and stuff, um, and then met a gentleman who had spent his whole career in textiles and yarns and fabrics and, um, you know, basically got them together in a room and said, okay, guys, we need to take, you know, what you know and what you know and what we need and kind of bring that all together. So, let's, okay, that's fair. It's all very interesting. Um, you, as a chemical engineer, previous to this, what was your, because chemical engineer, that's a pretty I mean, that's a wide it is, yeah. birth of, it could be a lot of different yeah. things. And you said you weren't really in the textiles. Um, wh what was your specialty or your uh, area of, of in interest in, in chemical engineer? So a good chunk of that 20-year career I spent at Bayer, which was headquartered here in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. right? I am a proud grad of the University of Pittsburgh and had been interning with Bayer through college um, and so 14 years I spent with Bayer, both here and which was their U.S. headquarters for their material science business and at their global headquarters in Germany. Um, oh. And so working in all of the polymers that Bayer made, so polyurethanes, polycarbonates, isocyanates, polyols, those kinds of polymers that go into a wide range of applications. Of course. Yeah. And now are you looking at safety? Or are you looking at just development of different polymers or what? So so my I held so many different roles in the company yeah. and, and but that but that just goes along with my personality, right? I'm not a specialist in any one thing. I'm much more of a generalist. I'd rather, you know, spend a few years here and then learn about this and then learn about that. And that's why getting a job at a big multinational company was the right answer for me out of school. Even though I'll, I tell entrepreneurs today, nobody talked about being an entrepreneur when I went to college. No. No, right? No. Like my dad. You're supposed to was, go to college and get a job and work your way up. And, and retire from re that company, right? Yeah. That, that was the path. Good luck. Um, and so, you know, I thought, okay, I hit the jackpot at Bayer because that, you know, lots of divisions, lots of different products, you know, all over the world, lots of opportunities. And it was fabulous. Um, 
But I started in R&D and then I worked in engineering, which was manufacturing really and like optimizing pieces of equipment in a manufacturing mm -hmm. train. And then in product management, which was, you know, global supply chain stuff, moving chemicals around the world. Where's the demand? Where's the supply? Where should we make things? Um, into business development, right? Like we're introducing these new products. Go out, find out what does the market need, next gen, you know, whatever. So a whole bunch of different roles. Um, and then one day I was contacted by a recruiter who had another opportunity at a specialty material company that made things like ceramics and silicone. So things that went into lots of medical applications and mm -hmm. computer chips and really high-tech, high, high-tech, high you know, defense aerospace applications and ceramics. And so spent six years at that company doing, you know, marketing, I say in air quotes, it's very different than consumer marketing uh, and business development. So pretty much every step you took was preparing you to be an entrepreneur. I mean, realistically, you think about that and look back and be like, I mean, not like oh, God has a plan for me, but just, wow, look at everything that I've gone through in my life without knowing it. I'd had no plan. I mean, it was just kind of, I'm supposed to do right. these things. Right. And you got this whole great um, realm of different opportunities and experiences and learning because as you know, so many people get a job and they don't have that ability to kind of float between different experiences. You get a, you're sitting at your computer and that's what you do for 50 years and you retire and you do what you whatever. But a lot of places still to this day, which I think in today's world is crazy that everybody wants you, or a lot of these companies want to kind of hold people, I don't want to say down because they, they need a job done, but let people experience different aspects of a business to see what they really like. Because as you, I don't know if you know, but I know, and most people I think in today's world who went to college or have nothing to do with what they went to college for. Right. Um, and they didn't know. And they said, I, I'm kind of interested in this. But by the time you're 30, like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done this. And now you're stuck. You know, or a lot of people feel stuck. But that's fantastic that you've had all these um, opportunities to experience all those different experiences and learn really invaluable um, information from being an entrepreneur. And you said it right. I mean, it's the guts that you need to do to really step out on your own without a safety net. It's tough. And I get why a lot of people, I think you have those two walks of people where the entrepreneurial type of person doesn't understand the nine to five type of person right. because you have those worker bees and we all need them. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Very important. But the worker bees are like, y'all are crazy. Mm -hmm. um, listen, I get my check. You don't even know if you're going to make money. Right. And you could be in the in the gutter, but you say, well, it's worth the, you know, the give and take for everything. Right. Um, so I always find that uh, interesting when people, you get those two worlds come to talk to each other. Because you can't, I can't understand why somebody sits at does something nine to five or it's not even nine to five anymore with work at home. It's like two, 17 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and... If that's your thing, awesome, do it. I mean, not no judgment, but I, I couldn't imagine it. And I've been told so many times in my life, well, go get a nine to five job. You know, you'll have stability. And I'm like, yeah, that's like, 
I know. That sounds nice. Right. You know, a guaranteed paycheck every right. two vacation, weeks or a vacation exactly. built in, 401k, mm-hmm. health care. If you're at one of those old school companies, you may even have a pension. Yes. Um, I get it, but I can't do it. I'd really rather not probably have money. You have to survive, right? I'm not saying being poor is great, but I don't know if you've gone through it, but college days and as a young adult coming out and... I remember not having, you know, ramen noodles and just got $10 to go to the grocery store. That's not a great feeling, you know, when you're counting how much. Um, And for me, as an entrepreneur, one of the first things was when I didn't have to count, I went to the grocery store and I bought whatever I wanted. Yeah. And I was like, this is all I need, freedom. (laughs) But um, So I'm sorry, and I'm sorry for interrupting you. so you, so you go through all these experiences and you have this idea that comes to you. Is this something, I mean, because the story for entrepreneurs a lot of times, like it popped in my head and I just knew, but realistically it was going on, you, you know, worming around in your brain oh, for yeah. months, Several years. years, right? Yeah. I mean, again, starting as a frustrated consumer, my primary concern was I need to solve my problem, right? I don't want to wake up with lines on my face that... Frankly, the older you get, the longer they take to go away, right? Yes. And, you know, so I'm not happy with that status quo, and I'm not finding a solution available. It, that that process took a while, yeah. right? I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I have to start a company. No. But I will say, you know, uh, while all of that was happening, I did start to see some entrepreneurial energy in Pittsburgh, that looked really attractive. I was like, hmm, well, this is interesting. Like oh, these people, they're starting companies. There's like funders and incubators. And and so I started to just kind of socialize in that space a little bit. I'm like, let me just start to check this out um, and see what this is all about. And honestly, once I realized that those people who were doing that, who were running, you know, starting their own companies, they were just like you and me. They were people who maybe studied something else and had an idea and tested that idea a little bit and decided to go for it. And I was like, hmm, well, all right. I, I can do that. If they can do this, I I can certainly give it a try. Give it a try, yeah. So, um, so, you, how, so what you told me, and I, when did you start not – Nolapelli. Nolapelli. Nola. Think Nola. Yeah. Nolapelli. Nolapelli. Um, but the, the first iteration, um, Aura Tech. Yeah. So that was yeah. five years Yeah. Ago, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So five years ago. And what everybody likes to talk about, oh, we've done so well. We've come so far. And, and we'll get into that. But what, what were your like biggest failures and what, what times were you like, you know what, forget it. I, this isn't going to work. I just can't. Or maybe you've never had those thoughts. No? Oh, None. no, no. I'm oh, saying, you're, yeah, yes, yeah, okay. of, of course I've had those what thoughts. Was, what, t- talk about some of those where you're going through this process and things just aren't working the way you want them to. Uh, what happened until you got to this point now? And I'm still sure if, if it's anything like me, those things still go on. Oh, but. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. In fact, I still check my, my check for myself um, is is always rooted in the demand. Like, do, like yes, it's this is very hard, you know, these problems that I'm trying to solve. But like, 
does it matter? Like, does anybody does care, it, mm -hmm. right? Because that's that's my North Star, right? Like, as long as I feel like there's a demand out here, um, then I'm going to keep working hard to try and get through all the, you know, issues that come up. Um, but so just to kind of talk a little bit more about the journey and those real, you know, points of struggle, you know, we launched at the end of 2018 was sort of soft launch. So let's just say 2019. So it really took two years to do all the R&D, to, to scale it up, to do some early testing, right? To just figure out like, okay, do, is, is this what we're going to go out with, right? Is this good enough? Is, um, is this what, we, what, what I wanted? So that took about two years. So, you know, 2019, starting to go out to market, have a website set up, you know, an e-commerce website set up, but but was also very interested in exploring opportunities in high-end hospitality. So primarily in hotels, because I think to myself, they have a lot of beds, they buy a lot of linens, you know, great for the supply chain. Let's get a lot of volume moving through the supply chain. Smart thoughts. And, yeah. and just get connected and associated with, you know, hotels that you would know and, and love and respect. So, so 2019 was, was really sort of just assessing all of the market opportunities, the consumer market opportunity, the hotel opportunity, through that hotel opportunity, spa opportunities came up, right? Spa Good tables, space. if you get yep. a massage, right? You're laying on a table with linens and you put your face on that, on that uh, face cradle cover. Um, so 2019 was about sort of testing it all because I had so many people say to me, you can't do everything can't do everything out of the gate. You got to pick. You got to focus. You got to stay focused. It's hard for me. I'll be honest. <laughs> you know, I'm just a person who likes to do, learn, yeah, uh, you know. Shiny new thing over here. Yes, like, oh, right. Girl. Just yeah. go after all kinds of new things. So I was like, okay, focus, focus. So I said, all right, we're going to use 20, uh, 2019 as our year to just explore all of this. And by the end of the year, I'm going to say, okay, here's where we're going to focus. So 2019 went down. I get to the end of 2019. I'm like, okay, hotels. That's where we're going to focus, hotels and spas, right? Big plan, January of 2020, hired a, hired a salesperson who comes from the space, right? Like all oriented towards hotel and spa. Boom. And, right, exactly. Yeah. March 2020. Everything's shut down. Yeah. Nobody's buying anything. Mm, hotels, hotels and spas. Hotels are done. Just yeah. devastated, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, devastated. And, you know, of course, hindsight's 2020, but at that moment – if you can remember back, people are like, oh, this will be just a couple weeks. Two right? weeks, right. flatten the curve. By we got to do nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like the kids were sent home from school. It's like, oh, they'll be back by Easter, whatever, three weeks. <laughs> so I'm, I'm holding on. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm talking to all of my contacts. I'm like, how can we help you in the interim? Can we like – do something, you know, put together some program for your, you know, people at home and giveaways and like, what can we do? What can we do? And by June, it was like, okay, throw it in. This is not yeah, gonna. This down. is not gonna be turning around anytime soon. So now what? Right. Well, again, we had our e-commerce store. We had the ability to to do direct to consumer. You heard my background. I know like zero about Instagram ads and Google search and, you know, all of the things that go into building an a, um, a D2C brand today, direct to consumer. And so that was the like, okay, what am I going to do, right? Am I going to, 
am I going to throw in the towel? Am I going to learn about direct to consumer? And so obviously, <laughs> you go, that's what you do. Yes, right. Because I think you know, you we talked uh, before we started about failure. This this just you know, I've heard. I'm sure you've heard other people say this too, and it just rings so true with me. The only time you really fail is when you, you stop. stop. Yep, that is the only time you fail. And, and so, and with the entrepreneur, most entrepreneurs that I meet and the mindset, we're all very optimistic. Oh. And it, we, I mean, we, we live in some weird fantasy world. Or, and yes. so you say, okay, I mean, same thing with my business. It's like you're shut down. You can't go talk to people. You can't meet people. Businesses are closed. And I go, oh, it's only two weeks. Knowing in my mind, it's like, yeah, probably not. Uh, but it's only going to be two weeks. Oh, well, it's only going to be a month. Right. It's only six months. Mm-hmm. Till summer, end of summer, right? Yeah, till end of summer, and we can pull. Yeah, we'll be okay. But we're like blindly optimistic. Yes. Which is, it's probably not a great quality, but it works for the entrepreneurial. You know, where everybody else is kind of freaking. We're like, we just keep going. Exactly. And then you pivot, and you pivot, and you pivot, mm-hmm. and you pivot, and that's where you. Oh, well, that didn't work. That's okay. Not working is the, the best information you can get. Fail yeah. fast. Yeah, you get you say that didn't work. Okay, let's just let's move over a few degrees. Mm-hmm. How about this? Nope, right. nope. You just and then you target in, and hopefully, you know, once you get your first shot in, then you can kind of expand and yeah. go back. And um, now, I would imagine, not to cut you off, but I would imagine your one of your biggest struggles is kind of educating people. Right. Right, which is, you know, again, another reason why direct-to-consumer was a little daunting. Yeah. I mean, we're we're bringing out, not that betting is new, obviously, you know, betting is a thing, but a new kind of fabric um, into really a very saturated market. I mean, there are hundreds of betting suppliers, and you can buy betting everywhere and at all kinds of price points, right? Yeah, so that, I mean, that remains a challenge for us, quite frankly. I would frankly. imagine, yeah. Um, because, I mean, well, if your skin, like you, I don't know what you look before you started the company, but if you were like this wrinkly person and then you look like you do now because your skin is so nice. Oh, thank um, you. You're like, look, look, this, these sheets, maybe. <laughs> but uh, but in the other problem is people don't care about their bedding. Not, you know, like they don't care. They sh- And they should. I'm not saying, and I'm a, I've become, but I was one of, you know, like, Get a mattress, whatever the cheapest mattress you can find is. And betting, uh, okay, am I supposed to go 300 or 160? Uh, maybe that's fine. And then you know, but I can go to Target and get these for 35 bucks. Right. And they've got Star Wars figures on them. Like, <laughs> right. What, right. You say, um, and I know I've done it with my We just did it with a mattress because we struggled. Um, and we have a California king. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can go cheap, but you can go really expensive, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Mattresses, un- too. Un- huge price range. Yeah. Huge, big, saturated market. Yep. Unbelievable. And so we went with a we thought it was pretty costly. And it's it's fun. But, and then you say, well, I don't know. And you don't get to, what do you do? You lay on a mattress for 15 minutes in a mattress store? Right. You have no idea. Right. Um, and so we ended up, you know, buying a pretty expensive mattress. But my thought was, listen, you'll spend... $80,000 on a car or $40,000 on a car or whatever your price point is um, to try to get the nicest car that you can get that has all the features that you want and all the comfort things that you want. And you're in that, especially today, I mean, 
you know, depending on your job, obviously, but people aren't in their cars as much as they used to be. Right. Um, but they'll still spend that money on a car. But the thing that you're in eight hours a day, uh, which one is third. one of the most important eight hours of your day, the people will, nah, 35 bucks. I don't know. No, no. You say, no, spend the money. Right. And I don't know. I, I looked at your sheets and they're not, at the, from a cost perspective, they're not the most expensive no, out there. Mm -mm. They're not their $35. No, you right. Know, exactly. Uh, Walmart special, but um, they're, they don't seem unreasonable. And before talking to you, and I want to talk you know, more, is, you know, what those benefits, I don't know anything benefits about sheets. Right. You know? Right, right. Yeah. So, so conveying that in a way that is not too technical, right, but yet sends the message that this is something different and new and patent pending and um, it has been a challenge. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think that we've really cracked that nut yet. I think it takes a lot of time and... I'm not like influencer. I don't even know. I mean, it's such a crazy, it's a weird market for entrepreneurials today. Yeah, um, right. The, right. The whole influencer space, just social media in general. There's too much information and nobody trusts the information anymore. So actually I did, I did this recently. So I've never had a skin care program because I'm a guy, right? And it was like, but I'm getting old and I look older than I am. But I thought, Okay, maybe there's something. I kept saying these men's skincare mm -hmm. lines. And I thought maybe there's something, but I, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm too, you know, soap on Macho. the face. And, yeah. yeah. Right. Just masculine. Not that I'm not all that masculine, but um, say, uh, okay. And then I saw a special for this company called Lumen. They're not a sponsor or anything like that. I don't, mm -hmm. um, but Lumen, it was on Facebook, I think, or targeting. Adrian, oh, I know. Targeting, targeting for sure. Because I you happen to click on something. Oh, I just learned from my, we were talking about Shay Murtaugh before. Um, she, we, I just had a meeting with her about targeting and how they actually do it. And it's it's really creepy. It is. It's really creepy. Apparently, it's a lot of it's going away. Yes. 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 In the next right. couple of years, exactly. she was saying. So brands are going to have to figure out how to. How to do it. So you got to build your first, first primary tier. Primary data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, primary. So anyway, I was like, that's okay. Um, but, uh, they did target me and they had a thing for free trial. You have to pay shipping and everybody yeah. was pissed off because they had to pay $5 for shipping. All these, I'm like, they're giving you the stuff for free. Shipping's not free. I don't care what Amazon got you to believe, but mm -hmm. it's all very costly. Someone pays for it. Somebody's paying for it. So pay your $5 if you want it. But I ordered it and, um, my wife made fun of me and <laughs> then I put it on and it was, uh, and I was, came downstairs and she was like, Oh my God. She's like, your skin looks so much better. Wow. So I, I'm on like a subscription now. Now you're a believer. Now I'm a believer. And I'm like, okay. I said, I don't really want to look old. I try hard to stay in shape. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I mean, I think our generation has a lot of us have a good idea about health and mm -hmm. wellness. Mm -hmm. And we feel pretty good for mm -hmm. the most part. We feel active. We can go still play tag with the kids and do yep. the things we want to do. And then you see these wrinkles and you're no, 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 no. Go get out of here. How do I get you away? And I don't, you know, I'm not going to do like my mom would do like skin peels. Like, oh, wow. Like that old school mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, maybe it's not old school. Maybe they still do it. I don't know. But it wasn't a great look. It was like Freddy Krueger <laughs> for a while. Um, I don't want to do that. But things like sheets, mm -hmm. like we probably need a new pair of set of sheets. Yeah. And we should probably buy your sheets. 
And I wouldn't, without talking to you though, I wouldn't, you have to target, right? Yeah. How much money do you have to spend to target? Yeah. It's, it's a whole science in and of itself. And I'm, I'm still at the bottom of the learning curve, quite frankly. And that becomes a problem for entrepreneurs, like small, because the small business owner, um, anymore, the road is, I I think maybe I'm wrong, is much more difficult than maybe it was 30 years ago. Because it's it's easier in some sense because you have so many outlets, but there's such science behind it that you can't just open a linen store, right, and say, oh, I have this brick and mortar cool place and people start coming because you're the only new linen store on the block. They have all these options. Right. And if you have, I think it was Jeff Bezos who said something to the effect like, it doesn't matter, you know, if your product doesn't matter if you think you're disrupting the space. That's irrelevant. It's what the consumer thinks. Right. Obviously, he said it much more eloquently and much more much smarter than I, but um, it all becomes education. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And we do, we're kind of in that same space and it's so hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so, you know, that was... That was further motivation back in the day for our B2B strategy of hotels and spas because, yes, I could tell you about these sheets, but what if you slept on them, right? What if you just spent a night in a hotel where Nola Pelli was on the bed and you were just like, wow, these feel different. I slept great. You know, I wake up, I I don't look so slept on. Um, that to me was very powerful marketing. Yes. Way more than me just telling you how I engineered this new fabric to balance moisture, temperature, and friction. Like who really cares, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So now fortunately here we are mid 2022, that hotel and spa space is really starting to ramp up again, which is great. Fantastic. It's just been, you know. Been a long couple of years. <laughs> it's been a long couple of years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you have partners in that space from a hotel chains uh, or so we're brands? we're in um, a good number of properties across the country. Fairmont is yeah. the one where we are in multiple Fairmonts. That's good. Yeah, people love the Fairmont. Yeah, I yeah. know. I think it's pretty nice too. No, we're not here in Pittsburgh. Um, surprisingly, okay. uh, we're in. And what's up with that? I know. Well, um, we're we're in their larger properties that have. Um, that just lean more into wellness and sleep. Um, okay. So, you know, of, of course we would love to take over the whole Fairmont chain. You but, should. Uh, <laughs> Come on, guys. What are you doing? Or girls, yeah. whoever. Yes, yeah. yeah. Hotels and brand standards. And, um, you know, we're still trying to chip away at that. But we've got, you know, beds in, in L.A., in Scottsdale, Arizona. So how's the feedback been from – have you had uh, – so, well, I guess – for one, how do you get feedback um, from the, I would imagine from the hotel chain itself, they go, yeah, I mean, I, they, I don't know how often they wash it. So it has to be pretty durable for yes, a hotel right, chain, right? Yes, right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm always asking for feedback and I want feedback from the guests and I also want feedback from the housekeepers. You know, they're the ones who are dealing with the product all the time. Yeah. So, you know, how's it holding up? And I mean, knock on wood, it's it's been all good. So, Fantastic, so good. So, yeah, that's a, that's exciting. So, what's next? Yeah, so so finally, now getting back into other applications that leverage textile technology 
for sleep, beauty, and wellness. Because my big vision, you know, I say for Nola Pelli bedding is just the beginning. That you know, we're not we're not a bedding company. If you look at bedding companies online, you know, they they basically want to take over your home, right? They they get into the bathroom and then they do like rugs and candles and all this stuff. They want to take over your home. That's not my positioning. Nola Pelli really wants to take over your body and help you get more out of that one third of your day you spend asleep. Okay. So my, again, my engineering mind of like, let's be as efficient as we can. Let's optimize, right? I want to help you however long you spend in bed. I want to just make that the highest quality that it can be. So if we can take care of the skin around your eyes while you sleep, if we can protect your, your you know, the rest of your skin and your hair while you sleep, help you sleep cooler so you'll sleep deeper, you'll be more restored, right? The object isn't necessarily to get more sleep, it's to get better sleep. Mm-hmm. Because when you sleep better, then your day is better, right? Everything is better. Absolutely. Your physical health, your mental health, your relationships, right? Like just everything is better if you sleep better. And so Nola Pelli wants to help you get more out of that one third of your day you spend in bed. Do you track your sleep? I don't actually. Oh, I, I do don't. every night. And? It's it's wild. I mean, it's it, the information is unbelievable. So I, and I don't know how um, accurate the information is because I use my watch. Okay, I was going to ask how I use how Apple you do Watch that. and I have uh, an app. I forget what it's called, um, but I did. It's like a couple bucks, you know, paid for it. It wasn't just the one that they have. They do have a sleep, but it doesn't give you that much information that's built into the watch. So I have an external app. Now I was talking to a friend, you know, the client, you know, Chris Klein. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Chris. Chris is a sleep scientist, basically. Right. Um, and he's like, you know, it's a good baseline. It's probably not accurate, but it's going to be consistently inaccurate. It's all relative. Yeah, exactly. So I said, okay, so I've been doing this for couple, two, three years, mm-hmm. and every night I track my sleep, and uh, I can tell deep sleep and how I feel the next day. I p- pay very close attention to that. Um, but then outside influences, so that glass of wine yep. or that beer or yep. three, um, mm-hmm. what you ate. Yes, heavy right? meal, right. Uh, you know, ha- mm-hmm. heavy burger and fries. So that, um, I've talked about this on my sh- on the show, and anybody that knows me knows this, like, I, I live pretty cleanly throughout the week. Um, I try to exercise seven days a week. So, you know, um, and I, I try to. That doesn't mean I do, but I might end up with five or six, sometimes seven. Um, but my Friday and Saturday is, those are, I have two cheat meals. I don't cheat all day. I still eat healthy during the day. I, I don't eat breakfast, but mm-hmm. I do intermittent fasting. I eat a good lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Friday and Saturday, I am, just a gluttonous type. I mean, it's burgers. You're enjoying life. It's well, you got like to. 20 rules. Right? Yeah. Because I've done those diets in, you know, like uh, keto, which worked very well for me. But I'm not living my life like that. Right. Um, so I try to restrict it to, to the weekends, like high school, right? <laughs> Treat my whole life like high school. And, uh, but Saturday morning, I look at my watch and it's like, it's basically like you're dead. Like you, <laughs> you <laughs> fell off the cliff. You fell off, and it has a little meter that says like how ready you are for the day, and it's always at like zero. And I have wow. no deep sleep. Like wow. Zero. Wow. And I've noticed after. So if I have one beer, like earlier, like not right before bed or mm-hmm. something, um, it takes a few hours, and I'll get some deep deep sleep that night. But if I have like three beers, 
there's no deep sleep all night. Wow. Yeah. So I, I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how hot the room was or how yes. cold the room mm-hmm. was. Um, this new bed, kind of tracking next to the bed actually has te- some technology that helps me track. Oh, fabulous. Sleep. It's not as good as the watch or it doesn't give me as much information. But the next is, it has to be sheets because I'm the worst sleeper that I I mean, I'd love, I always want to record myself because I think I just, I'm like a <laughs> log. Spin like spin around all <laughs> night long. And there's a, there's a foot out, then there's two feet out. Mm. And then then I'm cold, I'm, too, I'm back in, and I have four pillows, and I can't figure, I, I don't know. Um, so, so my, I, but we haven't changed sheets. We have the same, you know, I don't know. I don't buy the sheets, but um, cotton mm-hmm. sheets, mm-hmm. and they're not great. I mean, but it's what you, like you said, like I, I thought, okay, we should get like satin sheets, which seems weird, right? But, but you're gross. I mean, oh, yeah. human sleeping it, is not, it's not great. Yeah. No, that, that just was never appealing to me. No. I mean, even again, the pillowcase was like a little too much. Yeah. The pillowcase, yeah, a lot of drool and yeah, it's not. You just, mm. I, I just, I want to be able to wash it, dry it, put it right back on the bed. Yeah, Right. Sure. Like easy yeah. peasy. Yeah. So what about, so what you think about pajamas? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but again, leveraging textile technology. I mean, what I learned doing the R&D on the bedding, which is, um, it's really very simple science. It's not very complex. The eye mask, you know, science is, is much more complex, but fascinating. And I can't wait to start to tell the world about it. Um, and that's just an example of a supply chain that was significantly disrupted through the pandemic. I mean, that idea has been in the work since pre-pandemic. Oh. But getting the uh, the yarn, finding a knitter, finding someone to put the mask together, completely disrupted through through COVID. Oh, so that was... Oh, COVID. that was been in the works for a long time. Oh, I yeah. would have thought that was... Okay. Yeah. Um, um, because again, what I learned, what I learned learning about Yarns, which is what they're called, it's basically the you know the the input to a fabric, um, and there's so much interesting yarn technology um, that we can leverage for sleep, beauty, and wellness. That's so what, the opportunity. What is the fabric? It consists of. So the bedding fabric is. 65% natural and 35% synthetic. Again, nothing crazy in the bedding, right? Those yarns existed. It's it's things you would have in your closet anyways. Um, the natural component is mainly a yarn called Tencel. Heard of it. You've heard of it. I've yeah. heard. I don't know. It's becoming more popular. I mean, five years ago when I started it, it, it's become much more popular since then. Where is that derived from? Sustainably grown trees. Originally, it was eucalyptus trees, but now they've branched out into all kinds of sustainably grown trees. Um, and the company that that created Tencel, what was so enticing to me about it, not only does it have amazing properties, you know, how it can uh, hold moisture and dissipate it and how it holds the moisture, it is manufactured using a closed loop process. So that means there aren't any solvents. It's a very sustainable manufacturing process. Fantastic. Important. Uh, yep. Yes. Right. Exactly. So 65% natural is tensile with a little bit of cotton blended in because cotton is lovely. Yeah. Um, you just need to use it in moderation, uh, like so many things in life, right? Uh, and then the synthetic yarn that that I chose was nylon. 
So you've heard of nylon, right? Of course. I grew up in the 80s with parachute pants and stuff. Right, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, when nylon was originally invented, it was an alternative to silk. Women wore silk stockings. And what was the problem with silk stockings? They weren't very durable. Right. And then they started making stockings out of nylon, right? And Mm -hmm. women called them, put my nylons on, right? Yes, My hosiery, my Mm -hmm. nylons. Um, Because it was very similar to silk from a property standpoint, much more durable. Gotcha. Right. So like I said at the beginning, you know, wanting to create a fabric that brings together the best of nature and science, it's, you know, that's that's what we're doing in the the bedding fabric. Taking that a step further, though, in the eye mask, there's a way that you can make a yarn and embed minerals into that yarn, natural minerals – that take the body heat that is naturally coming off of your body and redirect it to the micro layers of your skin to increase the circulation that basically acts as a reflector. Think of it that way, maybe. So is it pulling from, let's say... So the heat is coming off of your body. Heat is coming off. Right, exactly. Yes. So if you looked at, you know, under an infrared camera, right, you know, you're, you, you can just tell. The surface of our skin is, is warmer, right? Our bodies are 98.6 degrees. So your body's naturally giving off heat. What's in the the minerals in this fabric act as a reflector to reflect that heat back into the skin. Now it doesn't penetrate very deeply. It just penetrates the top layers of your skin and what that does is it increases the circulation. Yes. So that acts as a restorative mechanism. It's like a heat pack, but not as right exactly yeah yes not not quite as intense and that's why it's you know it's perfect in an application like an eye mask where you would have it in contact for six to eight hours you know it's not the sort of thing that you can put on for 15 minutes and get up and your eyes are instantly refreshed now that would be really cool yeah we want to see if we can get there get there i need that so did you figure that out with the minerals and the, or was that? No, more? so that's that's part of the yarn technology. Oh, that that's is actually. just, yes, sort of emerging technology in the yarn world. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's really where companies like Under Armour and Nike and Lululemon, you know, they're on that cutting edge of yarn technology because because, you know, in those applications, we figured it out, like, the fabric against our skin, it, it matters. It does matter. It matters, right? Yeah. And so the job of Nolapelli is to show you, to your point from a little while ago, that that fabric that your skin is in contact with for that one-third of your day that you're asleep, it matters too. It, of course it matters. It, and it has to probably matter more, especially from your face. I mean, your body mostly has clothes on it. Some people's don't. I don't know. But for the most of us, we wear clothes. and But our face, we really don't wear anything on our face besides masks when we had to mask up for right. COVID. That was the mm-hmm. first time really, right. unless you're going skiing in the cold, that kind of thing. But on a daily basis, you... Uh, and of, uh-huh. course, of course, we made Nola Pelle masks, masks out of our fabric. Fantastic. Um, and, we, and we have a filter, a built-in filter. So, you know, unlike masks that, you know, they had that sort of sleeve and you could decide if you wanted to put the, basically the coffee filter in there, you know, as a filter, we um, were able to get kind of like rolls of filter fabric, very high end, very thin filter fabric that we just sewed. It's like embedded in in there. there. Yeah. So, yeah. So 
you know, we don't sell that many masks anymore, anymore. which is a very good thing. Yes, it is a good thing. It's unfortunate that that wasn't like, hey, here's everybody's needs to get this mask. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm not, when I sleep, I mean, I've got a cotton pillowcase. I assume it's cotton. I really don't know. Um, but I sleep primarily on my face, mm. which is not great. I mean, I know it's not good. I'm rolling around. I'm tearing my face. I wake up and I've got these wrinkles that have, I'm like, where did you come from? Um, so I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to buy a set of Nolapelli. Nolapelli. Mm-hmm. Nolapelli sheets. So um, back to, well, let me ask you about um, your business plan, original business plan, because I always find this fascinating. I've only met one person who I just talked to yesterday. It was Bonnie, whose business, whose business actually outdid the, the, the business plan. Because if anybody's like me, you write a nice conservative business plan and you still don't hit any of the marks. What has your experience been with, um, it's, I just think it's all BS. I mean, when you're writing a business plan, you're just, I don't know. Exactly. Just <laughs> right. Pulling numbers out of the sky, yeah. hopefully rooted in some form of reality. But no, it's it's challenging. And even to this day, making projections, right? We've got a couple years of history, but it's been through a global pandemic. And it doesn't really so, count. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I think, you know, the pandemic just sort of paused things for a while. So now we're kind of like, picking up where we left off, where we left off. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a guessing game. Yeah, it's it's tough. Now, what about you, Allison Howard? What do you do for when you're not working, which is probably not that often? I know. But what, is, what, what do you do for fun? What do you do for, I mean, you're obviously in good shape. You keep yourself in good shape. So what do you do there? Because I do think that health as an entrepreneur almost go hand in hand. Not everybody, but there's this very strange mindset that a lot of entrepreneurs have where they're like, we have to take care of everything. And that's your body, your mind, you know, and it's taking that time off um, and reflecting. And then then you got your people in your life. If you have children or husband and wife, and you're trying to make everything work, very rarely does it actually work out the way the plan was. But what about you? What do you do for for exercise, for fun. Yeah. So, well, so, you know, I have two kids. Yes. And they're both teenagers now, which is crazy. They're both teenagers? A 13 and a 15. Oh, no. Crazy, right? So <laughs> that, you know, that certainly keeps keeps me very busy. Um, but for fun, I mean, my favorite fitness passion is hot yoga. <gasps> Where do you do hot yoga? I go to Amazing Yoga in Shadyside. Wow. They've been my studio since 2010. Um, I was living in Shadyside. We were living in Shadyside at the time. And that was, you know, and I was still in corporate America, but I was in a work from home job before those were so common. It just, um, the company I was recruited to work for was a work from anywhere job. So I was working from home and I could walk around the block to the yoga studio. And that was my little reprieve. The kids were really young then. So life was just really hard with young children. And I would just sneak out either for an hour at lunch or like at 4.15 at the end of the day, you know, before things got crazy and the nanny went home. Um, And I just got hooked. And once I moved to Aspenwall, I thought, oh, I'll, you know, I'll find a local studio or something. And 
know, I'm not going to drive out. I'm not going to cross a river and you know drive to Shady Side. <laughs> and I pretty quickly found that you know once you find, at least for me, once you find your place, like that's your place. And so yes, I drive across the river to Shady Side as often as I can. Hot yoga is amazing. Oh, and I haven't done it for so long, but for it, not only it's obviously it's very good for you. But after, at least for me, when I would do it, and I've only done it a few times, and this so it's been probably twenty years since I've done it. But um, I'd go in there and just sweat everything out, and feel so good, like all your pain's kind of gone, feel great, and you just feel like being healthy. Mm-hmm. You, I, you don't it does. want it has sort it, of ripple effects. It does. It's, you come out of there. I just want a salad. I want a smoothie. I want right. I drink a lot of water. I don't want any toxins in my body. Um, I kind of do that now. I don't do hot yoga, but, um, I work out the way I work out is, uh, everything has to be like old school, like broken, you know, just <laughs> kind of like the, the Rocky movie, right? You're working in this. That's how I grew up working out with my dad. We worked out in the basement. It was just old rusty stuff. And I love that. Um, and there's no air conditioning where I work. So work out. So not the winter months, but the summer months, it's, it's so hot and you get in there do you know if you're doing cardio i mean you're just dripping so it's mm-hmm. not not the same but very similar and mm-hmm. that's so important to get that good sweat just get everything out of you yeah it, it feels great yeah but for me i think what really hooked me on yoga yes it's an intense physical workout the hot you know yoga but um but it's also such a good mental um exercise if you will kind of teaching you to just shut down your brain Center. And, and just breathe. Yeah. Really just just put it all aside. Don't think about what else you have to do today, right? And just and just breathe and just focus on that. And at the beginning, you know, when, when you're when I was new in the practice, like it did take every ounce of energy to to just breathe, right? Like it was really hard. And yeah. now it's just such a great reminder. That and do you do how often do you do that? As I mean, like I Two, two or three times a week is pretty much all I can squeeze in. And then yeah. I'll do it, at, you know, I'll do it at home. And in and, and COVID, that was another thing that got disrupted. The studio was closed for so long. And so I, you know, ramped up my home practice. It's not the same. It's not the same. I, yeah. And I, I'm also just, I'm a community person. Oh, yeah. like I really like just feeding off of the energy of everyone else in the room. That's um, important for a lot of people. And I had a, um, my buddy Tony came on the show and he owns um, Alpha Athletics, which is down in Blonox. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but okay. it's like it's more of a CrossFit type of gym. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about community and I was like, hey, community is great. He's like, you should come down. I'm like, no. Not your I thing. I'm the, I'm the guy who I'm in my own garage. I have to, I, if you ask, there's a, I can walk to a gym. I can walk to a gym. Mm-hmm. And that's too much. It's like, if you give me any obstacle to say no, I'll pro- I may not, but I'll probably say no. And then being around everybody else, waiting for you know machine, well, which right. is different yeah, than that, the, yeah. the yoga class. But I'm like, no, go in my my garage and do your thing. Do the thing mm-hmm. and just. Um, but that's good. So, what, anything else that you do? What would? Well, then I, I love to walk, you know. And so in Aspenwall, we've got a big hill, which is great. So I'll kind of do a circuit, which takes me up and down and around the hills. Um, and listen to podcasts yeah. so that I really, I try to, you know, so I do something every day, whether it's yoga or a walk and um, kind of a cardio walk. And and then I'd love to listen to podcasts. What do you listen to besides this show? Of course. <laughs> of, co- of course. It's now. at the top of the playlist. <laughs> um, lots of business things. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm a business nerd too. Do you get do you find yourself wanting? Because I do this every once in a while. And I actually just read my f- first book that I've read in a long time, like um, for fun. Mm-hmm. That was it was Stephen King, like a real oh, easy okay. read. Yeah, it was called Later. It was just kind of a short Stephen King. It was a few a few hundred pages, mm-hmm. um, but I was just. I was on vacation at the beach. Yes, good and, beach read. Yeah, and I haven't done that for so long, and I was like, this is so nice. I don't have time for it uh, from a daily basis, but um, and I listen to all the you know, different podcasts as well. But sometimes I just really want to... Um, was it a book? Was it an actual book? Or it was, was an it? actual physical paper book. I'm a huge fan of an actual paper Everything thing. I read is either on my computer or yes, on my phone right. or listen to. Now, I... I I can't ever tell anybody. I'm like, I read something. And then later on, I'll be like, I didn't read it. I listened to it somewhere. I saw it somewhere. <laughs> I didn't read it, like on a piece of paper. Um, but uh, yeah, a paper book is way different. Yeah. It is nice. I, it, I like a paper newspaper too. And and we really don't see those very often no. anymore. But uh, And my I don't know about you, but my time for like catching up is at night in bed. Same. And it's on my phone and I'm on like Apple News or Flipboard, you know, where it's have curated news and you try to keep that balanced and you go, okay, what's going on in the world? But yeah, that, that there's something to be said about, I get why people want a paper book because I've read a book on my iPad, which is not great. I mean, it's fine, you know, but like actual a whole book mm-hmm. and you go, okay. Now I just, and, I, and then I've been into audio books not that I listen to them all that often, but I'm going on a road trip. Mm-hmm. And it's, okay, let's either podcast or no. I just want to zone out. Yeah. Put a story on. Yep. Uh, and listen to it. And then you get to your destination. You're halfway through and then you forget about it. I don't know. I know. No, I'm I'm always... And for me, I think it's also kind of multitasking, right? Like I want to be learning, using my brain. Yeah, I used to drive to Cincinnati. I did a startup accelerator in Cincinnati for four months and with children, I didn't relocate like my other, you know, entrepreneur friends who were in their 20s and could just relocate to Cincinnati for a few months. I was like, no, that's close enough. I'm just going to drive back and forth. So every week, you know, not, oh, every, not day, every day. Okay. Oh, gosh, yeah. no, it's five hours one way. But um, but yeah, 10 plus hours in the car every week. I was listening. I, I would either have phone conversations. I'd have yeah. phone meetings or be listening to a podcast or a book. Mm-hmm. Well, this is going to be your new favorite one, of course. Yes, of yes. course. Yes, you got to subscribe. And li- I don't even know what you do, actually. Subscribe. <laughs> five and stars. Li- so five subscribe stars. It. This is the best. Um, no, I know you got to get going. Um, I know you got a meeting, so I don't want to hold you up. Um, but I do appreciate you coming in. It was great, great talking. And, um, you know, as we as your business builds and moves to the next, you know, level, I hope you'll come back and we can continue our conversation. That would be great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you.